Mantonese questions from the comfort of my own bed in quarantine after spending two days stuffing my face with food <laughs> with food and uh, sort of catching up with um, sleep. I've been sleeping a lot in the day and I'm actually sleeping at night as well. So um, not too bad, actually. Didn't really expect to be sleeping that much. Lemmy's by my side, which is nice. Oh, yeah, he's just turned around. Can't see, obviously, because it's a voice note. He's got his ball in his mouth. And he's happy as a pig and shit. But unfortunately, I'm stuck in the house for 10 days. Not allowed out. Oh, well. Sorry, Dem. We caught up with the guys to find out about life after the row. When we spoke to them, they had been on land for a week. As Matt said, he is talking to us from his bed in Cardiff, where he is in quarantine. Johnny is in the UK before he heads back to Thailand. Martin is in quarantine in his home in Rosson Wai. And Billy is still in Antigua, making sure the boat is clean and organised before it gets shipped back to the UK. So here are Matt Pritchard, Martin Hesseltine, Johnny Ward and Billy Taylor for the final time on the podcast. What did it feel like to see land for the first time? Right, I met, land for the first time, I was actually, I was in the cabin cooking food for Johnny and Martin, I think it was. And then I just looked to my right and I could see a shadow. I thought, that's not clouds. I thought, Christ, it's, it's land. So I just shouted land. And Johnny, Johnny and Martin was like, oh yeah, whatever. And the boy, the cried wolf, basically, because I did a lot of stuff, winded him up. And they didn't believe me for a very long time and they wouldn't turn around. But, uh eventually did and yep it was it was actually land i mean obviously it was nice to see land after such a long time i think when i woke up very much later on and billy said have a look behind you and i could literally i could see the shape of the cliffs i could see the white surf and all that kind of i could just see everything and i was like whoa that was that was pretty special i think it was that realization then that we've done it and we've arrived and I got quite emotional, didn't really show it or anything. I just had my own, I had a little moment to myself and just looking at land and, and sort of looking back on what we'd done. And yeah, it was quite, um, it was quite emotional really, but, um, I was just looking forward to getting on land and put my feet on land and seeing what it actually felt like to stand up. So it was all going through my mind really. Utter and total relief that I would be getting off the boat soon. That's the feeling I got. Um, yeah, there were kind of two times we saw land for the first time. One was in the distance when Pritch told us that he could see land and no one believed him. The boy who cried wolf and all that. So then we could just see it in the distance. It's a sunset, which is really beautiful and exciting as a team. We stopped rowing and had like a really beautiful few moments together, but it wasn't the true release of emotions. And then that night we rowed all night and everything, blah, blah, blah. And then the next morning we woke up, I finished my my uh, night shift at five in the morning or whatever it was. And the following morning, uh, two hours, and then I obviously was in the cabin for two hours. And when I got up again, it was fully light and you could see Antigua for the first time it was really amazing and for me actually that was more amazing than getting on the dock because the finish line was tangible it was there all the misery was almost over and it was just a huge relief and we were celebrating or I certainly was celebrating anyway screaming at the top of my voice uncontrollably like a six-year-old girl and it was nice and obviously the island's super beautiful too and actually to see colors and all that for the first time it was great uh, Matt spotted it first of all, and we were a bit loath to believe him because he's a bit of a prankster. But when we could, in fact, verify he was indeed telling the truth, yeah, it was really good. You know, it's when you see land, you're 100% positive that you're going to make it there. And it's the end of the challenge to achieve what you set out to do. Uh, and it's a good feeling. You're going to, you know, get ashore. You're going to get fresh water. You're going to get fresh food. You're going to see other people. You're going to get space to yourself. All of these things are really good, but it's also tinged with a little bit of sadness that it was coming to an end. I had a, a really good crossing, I think better than the other three, to be fair. 
And for me, you know, I was a little bit sad it was coming to an end as well, but just great to see how excited everyone else was. I think it was more being caught up in the moment of their emotions than anything else. But definitely, you know, the feeling of fulfillment that you've you set out and achieved what you've um, what you set out to do was uh, was a big emotion for me at that point. What did it feel like to step off the boat and onto land for the first time in fifty days? From when I followed uh, the Talisker, I was I could see people coming off the boat and they were wobbling all over the place. Only then did I think, well, that's just from being at well, what being out sea for a long time because it's constantly moving little did i know then that it also it's also got to do with not standing up for for 50 days 51 days or 50 days so there's a mixture of being on the wobbly ocean and not standing up so as soon as i stepped off i think there's video footage you see i almost fell back into the boat it was the, the weirdest feeling ever and then as soon as i tried to walk man that was just so strange that feeling of I just couldn't, it was almost like learning how to walk again. And that feeling went on for a good 48 hours, good two days. Yes, yeah, quite fun. So obviously, as you, as you know, we, we got a, we had a few beers that night. So a few beers and not being able to walk properly led for some quite funny, um, it's like Monty Python's, um, Ministry of Funny Walks. I mean, I've got um, like 30,000 odd sailing miles. I've never had sea legs in my life. So it's a complete and utter total shock to be so staggeringly, if that's the right word, unsteady. I suppose, of course, we haven't been able to walk for um, seven weeks, which, of course, if you are sailing, you can walk quite regularly. So, yeah, I mean, I had appalling sea legs, felt incredibly unsteady and did so for days, having to walk in a really wide stance, uh, having a shower, you close your eyes and you're stumbling over really really quite serious yeah it was cool feel it yeah, it was a very weird sensation with this whole sea legs thing so they handed a champagne and necked the glass in about half a second flat and then he handed me another glass wobbled all over the place smashed the glass like a drunk man um so that was weird because i had really emotionally completed the journey when i saw it like maybe a day or half a day earlier when i opened up that morning um it was still a huge relief obviously to be off the boat but um i kind of really felt like we had finished when i could see the island so like the pain and misery of the journey doesn't end when you step foot off the boat it kind of ended for me when i when i could see the land so close so even though we still had a few hours to go or 12 hours whatever it was i knew it was over so yeah it was more about i was in some party mode when i got to the uh when i got to the pier there we weren't too wobbly, actually. Actually, no, that's a lie. I think it was more wobbly about two hours afterwards. And there was a lot of going step forwards and stepping backwards instead. And there was a couple of times when I only came a cropper on the stairs at Pineapple House. I uh, was just stepping back without meaning to, to find air instead of a step there was a little bit dodgy. All in all, it wasn't too shabby. It was great to get ashore. It was great to have the welcome we did from Alex uh, and the rest of the crew at Sheer Rocks and Catherine's Cafe. That was fantastic. Uh, Emotion-wise, you know, it, it's not the first radio. I've done this before. And for me, it's more about the emotions of the others and getting caught up in that and how excited they were and the sense of accomplishment that they had getting off, achieving, all of that kind of stuff it was pretty high. I think there was a few tears in the eyes as well lots of hugs yeah just a really wonderful feeling to be there I, I can't describe what it's like that sense of um sense of fulfillment when you step off having known you've just rode across and even looking at it now it doesn't seem real if you look at a chart and the distance that we traveled it doesn't quite seem to gel with the experience we had it doesn't seem like it's possible but you know you've rode across an ocean that's a pretty big deal 
and you manage to get across safely and everyone's still talking to each other is a really massive emotion. What did you have for your first meal and drink? Well, that's it. We went to Alex, who owns Sheer Rocks and Catherine's Bar. He greeted us with a big bottle of champagne. So I had three glasses of champagne, which got me tipsy. And then we went to Catherine's, which is just at the end of the jetty. And we had, I had um, roast vegetable baguettes. Oh, they were, they just went down so easily though. They were delicious. And then I actually drank quite a lot of alcohol actually. Uh, cause I was so excited and just trying to take everything in. And I was just so over the moon, so happy. And then, uh, we went to Sheer Rocks and Alex hosted us in Sheer Rocks, which was the location was absolutely amazing. Sunset, the food was like tapas. Uh, they, we all sat around the table and there was all this different kind of food coming to the table. The vegan options were absolutely stunning. So that's what we had to eat really. And espresso martinis, rose, champagne. Pfft, Christ. Anyway, it was, uh, thank you, Alex. It was, uh, much appreciated. It was absolutely delicious as well. So if anyone does go to Antigua, please go and check out Catherine's or Sheer Rocks. You will not be disappointed. We were met at the jetty uh, in Falmouth Harbour by a really nice gang and Alex Grimley, who runs the uh, Catherine's Cafe there and also Sheer Rock's restaurant, was magnificent and uh, greeted us with magnums of champagne. And um, wow, what a, what a welcome that was. It was absolutely glorious. Uh, lots of people congratulating us and frankly, sort of, you know, patting ourselves on the back for having completed the job. But it was it was great having, having that. And uh, then we went over to his sort of... The cafe which is right on the beach there really lovely spot and had some more fresh fruit he did like baguettes like toasted baguettes and they had just fresh salad and avocado and tomatoes and lettuce and rocket and things inside them it was exactly what we needed um just really really tasty and then the evening um alex uh, again incredibly kindly uh invited us to his sheer rocks restaurant which is rated the number one restaurant in the caribbean and he just you know treated us like kings and wined and dined us for the evening truly truly lovely Lovely guy and what a welcome. Couldn't have been couldn't have been better or nicer. Well, the drink with the champagne, we had Alex from Sheer Rocks meet us with a magnum of champagne. So the first drink was champagne, second drink was champagne, the one I smashed, third drink was champagne. Then a South African guy Frick bought us a load of beers. I don't think I had a soft drink for about 36 hours after I landed. <laughs> and then we're on the espresso martinis, tequilas. I don't even think I had water. God, no wonder my hangover was so bad. Um, the first meal, actually, they just gave us kind of um, hors d'oeuvres in the, in the beach bar there, which was avocado and brie baguettes, maybe like veggie hors d'oeuvres. That was delicious. But I didn't mind the, the food on the boat anyway. It was grand. I mean, when you do expeditions, anyone who's done expeditions before, you've got to do what you've got to do. So the food was fine anyway. Yeah, it was, it was nice to have fresh food again, but it wasn't a game changer for me. But the drinks were just a, like a parade of booze. Which is great. First meal and drink. So we got to Catherine's Cafe. Uh, we were met on the jetty, in fact, with uh, a bottle of champagne, which went down very quickly. Then we went from the jetty itself into Catherine's, and there were lots of uh, various sandwiches and toasted things there for us. We were getting a meal later on, so we didn't go flat out, but it was just really nice to have or something crunchy, which was really good. Flavors were fantastic. And it's, it's just a really picture postcard perfect place to be big seating areas and you know it's on a white sandy beach and we had beers and gin and tonics and coca-colas and it was all really really lovely and also just to take a step back and again look at the others and see how they were and to see 
you know, mainly mine as well, how happy and, you know, proud he was to be talking to everyone. He really wanted to tell people what it was like and was really immersed in it. And Johnny was the same as well. Matt was, you know, really funny and everyone had had a couple of drinks and it was just really, really nice. There was a real harmonious feel to it. And certainly at that particular moment in time, everyone's very proud of what they've done and wanted to tell others about it and discuss what the experiences were like. So I really enjoyed that. What did your first shower feel like? We stayed at Pineapple House and Pineapple House, very rustic, amazing place. I I absolutely loved it. And the shower was just, like, I don't care for hot showers. And I, I'm not asked, especially when you're in a hot country and it's hot, sticky and humid. Uh, I'd much rather a cold shower. And I wasn't let down. Walked into this shower cubicle and it was just a tube in the wall and I turned it on and just this jet of cold water came rushing out just water from the top of the mountain just came rushing out all over me I was like ah yes it was absolutely brilliant cooled me down and then I had some shower gel off uh, one of the guys from uh, Pineapple House had a proper wash got all the salt off me got all the dead skin and just ah I just felt amazing really good most probably one of the best showers I've ever had First shower. Well, it was a little underwhelming. We stayed at Pineapple House, which is kind of, what would I call it, a kind of backpackers hostel type place. The showers were cold. Um, it was a pipe sticking out of the wall. There wasn't a shower head. Underwhelming, I'm afraid. <gasps> Awful. No hot water, no towels, no shower gel or anything provided. So the, shower, the first shower was like a two out of 10 experience, which I'm actually a bit upset about. So yeah, the first shower was one of the worst showers of my life. Very disappointed. Amazing. It's, I had to go and sort out all of the customs and immigration and stuff. So I know there was a bit of a wait when we first arrived and, it, and the pineapple house has got its own vibe to it. I really love it. It's very bohemian, uh, but I'm not sure what the others were expecting when they turned up. I tried to explain it and you sort of can't really. It's just got this this feel to it, which is amazing. And you can probably hear the uh, the lampshades clattering at the moment because they're made out of uh, clamshells and stuff, but it's just fresh water. I wasn't worried about it being hot. In fact, I preferred it that it wasn't. So just to have that fresh water on you and you know some shower gel just to wash all that grime, the accumulated grime of being on the boat and not being able to wash was was great. I mean, I really loved it. In fact, for me, the rustic feel was even better. You just had this jet of water coming out to you, which was, wasn't cold, but was chilly enough to really cool you down. And yeah, I, I, I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good experience. How did you feel about your first sleep in a bed? My first sleep in bed, I got a little bit carried away at the party in front, so I didn't really sleep for a very long time after I got off the boat. So my first sleep in a bed was the following day, and it was it was nice. It really was nice. Because, I mean, I, this bed I had, it was quite high up off the floor, so to try and get into bed was a mission, especially with my legs. So I lay there, surrounded by a moss mosquito net, with the window open, overlooking uh, Antigua, English Harbour or whatever it was. I can't remember what the name of the harbour was, but either way, it was just a, a cracking view. Just laid there and just waited to go to sleep. And it was uh, really nice. But I'd say when I got home to my own bed, that was when I had a, a proper sleep. It was quite a sweet, if incredibly rustic room. And we did get eaten by mosquitoes. So that wasn't great. Uh, well, we were pretty drunk the first night, so that didn't matter. But the next night... Um, just got ravaged by mosquitoes and it was hot and sweaty and there was no electricity and no Wi-Fi and sweating in bed. It was roasting hot. 
first sleeping in bed, well, we did have a fairly big night when we first arrived, so I didn't get to bed until late. But it's just awesome. It's first of all, you got a bed to yourself. Uh, and a big bed as well. The beds here are huge. And you climb into it. It's not moving about. You don't have the sounds of the ocean knocking into the cabin or mat snoring or something like that. So I'm very lucky with the room that I've got. It's this incredible view out over Falmouth Harbour. Um, and there's birds flying in and out. I got chomped by mozzies, absolutely chomped by mozzies. But that was all part of it, I guess. It just, I've been chomped during the evening when we've been downstairs having a drink. So it didn't make any difference to what actually happened when I got up here. Um, it was just nice to, to be somewhere different, I guess, to, um, to have that, that personal space to yourself. And, you know, I've got a whole room up here and you know, a veranda and, I'm quite high up, sort of view spectacular, and it was just really, really nice and a great end to the uh, to the challenge for me. Now you've been off the boat for a week and had a bit of time to reflect. How do you feel about what you've just achieved? It's crazy, man. I just, I, I still don't know whether this sunk in. I just keep thinking about it sometimes. Yeah. You know, seven seven weeks in a boat, living in a space like a three to four meter space. Shitting, pissing, eating, sleeping, rowing for seven weeks. It just, I don't know, man. It just seems, seems weird. But it was, yeah, I just don't know what to say, really. I, I'm so stoked that I did it. And I still, to this day, I just, I just can't believe I did do it. I, did, I, I don't know how to answer it. Sorry. I'm, I'm just, it's just, I don't know. It's a bit, um, well, yeah, fuck. Sorry. Sorry. I don't know how to answer. I'm glad I did it. But I think there's, better more worthwhile things that i could have done it's a difficult question to answer really i feel externally third party looking in at it looks like we've achieved something more than we have to be honest i feel like my achieve my personal achievement stems from enduring the suffering that is involved in an ocean crossing obviously i didn't know what what I what to expect and stuff and the more people you have in the boat the more difficult it is so if you do it solo it's easier if you do it in a two it's easier if you do it in a four it's more difficult and I never knew that I thought to do it in a one or a two would be scarier and, and more difficult but actually it would be much easier because you'd have more space and more privacy and you'd, and you'd have the, the ability to row harder when you wanted to row harder or take a break if you want to take a break so you'd, you could finish faster and blah 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 and then in terms of what you achieved I feel I, did, I mean I feel this all the time whenever I did my every country whenever I did the North Pole whenever I did any of my ultras whenever I did my mountains I feel like I'm just a normal guy so if I've done it anyone can do it so the achievement comes from the ability to endure the suffering and, and the misery of the experience the actual physical achievement I don't think is so impressive anyone can do it really I mean people have been caught cast adrift on that ocean in 70 days without rowing and, and end up on the other side so I know externally people think like you've killed yourself rowing but it's not like that as we see like some of these old boys and people who haven't trained that can do it so in terms of physical achievement I, I feel a bit underwhelmed but in terms of being able to endure how miserable the conditions are yes I feel like that has been a life lesson to be able to endure that for sure well, we've been off the boat, but I haven't had a lot of time to reflect. There's been a lot going on on the island. The guys left on Thursday. There was a lot of filming to be done. There was things that we had to do. Um, the boat had to be cleaned out, so that took most of Thursday. So that only really left Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. So I haven't actually had any time to just enjoy the island. Uh, I've been staying at Pineapple the whole time. But generally, I'd sort of go to bed around 9 and wake up at 6. 
count how many mozzie bikes I've got, have a look out, see what the weather's going to be like. Yeah, as far as reflecting upon it goes, you know, you sort of look back and the things that could have been done better, the things that could have been worse. Uh, and I think there's there's both of those, how you can improve future crossings, what the dynamics of this crew was like, how fortunate we were to have such a good crew that all gelled and certainly I felt got on. You know, I really enjoyed the company of all of them and you're at sea for 51 days you're never more than a meter away from people there's no personal space you are working fairly hard you are tired there's lack of sleep when you put all of those factors together you know there was a couple of maybe annoyed moments at people and and that was it that's all that was done that's all that um that came through and i think that's an incredible achievement in itself that we, you know, we're all still talking and getting on well, at least in my mind we are, in my eyes. And I'm looking forward to catching up with them and seeing them back in the UK. And the achievement itself, I, I thought the crossing was probably the most difficult, but not the actual crossing part of it. The, the things that we had to deal with to get to the start line, the small breakages that occurred on the way, being hit by the boat, having to spend another week in Fiorentaventura, um, all of these things as the skipper weigh on you quite heavily. As a as a rower, I'm sure they're just really bloody annoying. Um, but as a skipper, it's, it's down to you to make sure you get across and everyone's safe. And uh, for that reason, I found it quite difficult. I mean, that's in itself has got its own rewards. And when things break, finding a way to get around that and repair it has its own rewards as well. I don't know. I mean, if we just got in there and rode and there'd be no issues at all, it, maybe it wouldn't have been as good a crossing. Maybe maybe having uh, those uh, hurdles to get over, those obstacles in your way, made it a better crossing for me. Uh, I don't know how the others felt about it, but for me personally, it was a very tough crossing, not physically. But the weather was really good. Um, it was generally with us all the way so it was a, an easy crossing physically but yeah it was a, a tough one for other reasons for me how are you recovering and how are your aches pains and injuries now recovering all right my claw hand is still there my back where i my back or my lat or whatever i've done to myself is still really hurting especially when i cough i can't cough properly so i don't know what i've done there but um if it doesn't get it better soon i'm gonna have to go and have it checked out but uh apart from that my ass is uh, my ass is healed so i can actually sit down properly which is nice everything's sort of recover everything's sort of recovering but the um i think my back's not recovering so i'll just wait i'll just wait and see what happens with that well, I've still got rower's claw in my left um, hand, which is quite painful when I forget about it and grab for something. Legs, not great. I suppose there are lots of mis lots of little muscles you don't use in your legs. And we live in a very hilly area here, including just getting in and out of our cottage. So that's actually quite hard work, um, you know, just getting in and out of our home. So it's going to take some time to recover, but mainly um, legs and my left hand. Like all the skin injuries, instantly okay as soon as you stop rowing because you're dry finally and, and you get a chance to recover. I didn't really have any injuries, to be honest. Just feel a bit tired, really. Um, I need to obviously just eat some nutrition, some high nutritional stuff and get back in the gym and build up the muscle mass. The atrophy of the muscles is probably the hardest thing. I want to go out running and go out lifting weights and stuff again. So, yeah, recovering fine. It's nice to see my loved ones and, and try to keep my business from falling apart but just getting back to the real world and being able to tend to everything that he's tended to is, is a real blessing i have been actually quite busy it's quite a lot goes into it behind the scenes and there hasn't been much time to do anything except work over here so i haven't had time to explore the island um it's mainly been going out and talking about future events and so on and so forth so but i have it's not like i've been running around and going to the gym or anything like that i have been taking it easy 
getting lots of sleep, which is always good. Getting savaged by mosquitoes. I mean, my my feet are absolutely ruined. But aside from that, I don't really have much in the way of aches and pain. I, I sort of did my back two days after arriving. I'm not sure if that was row related or on the first night we spent a lot of time sort of celebrating and a lot of time was spent on that sort of leaning over on a sofa talking to people. So I think that threw me back out. I don't think it was related because my back was absolutely great on the boat. But aside from that, I didn't suffer from claw hand, which I know some of the other guys did. So yeah, I'm not, I've not really got any aches and pains to be complaining about right now. Who knows when I get back and I'm a bit more active and out and about town, that may change. Do you think you have changed as a person as a result of this experience? I'm guessing something as big what we've just done is going to change me in a certain way. I mean, time will tell until I actually know what kind of change is done to me. But um, yeah, I, I will. I think it, I, I think I'll, over time I'll know if it's done anything. But I know that there's one thing for sure: the land is full of so much shit. It's just I don't know. So for the, I, I literally I was really happy on the boat. Obviously, you had, you had bad days, good days, you know, bad days, good days. But most of all, I was happy, and, and my mind is at peace. And as soon as you step on land, literally two days, three days of just land stuff started. The yeah, my head started going ah. Just wanted to say fuck off to a lot of things, but yeah, there's one thing I've realised. I'm quite happy when I'm switched off from the what's the, what's the word? Uh, I can't. Don't know what. I don't know. Don't know what words I can use. I'm shit with words. Yeah, just but, but I'm happier when I'm switched off from all that distract. This distracts us. It the distractions of land. My head can't handle it. I don't know why. Anyway, um, yeah, time will tell. Let's see how we go. And um, quite possibly, um, I think you'll learn a certain amount of tolerance um, when you're at sea, but particularly in such a, t- a small place. And quite frankly, I think I remain remarkably calm, um, considering there were some confrontations. Have I changed the person? Um, um, I think fundamentally, no. But um, I think, you know, I'm very happy with the way I behaved aboard. I hope so. I mean, every experience changes us in more ways than one, I would imagine. And the more pain or the more suffering that you endure probably changes you slightly more. I hope that the experience allowed me to focus on on the things I should focus on. All the daily diaries I made when I was feeling low, I can reflect on those and, and understand that what emotions I felt in that moment. Because obviously when you finish, body has a way of, your body and your mind is a way of covering up the things that you thought but now we've got a permanent record of it. Um, hopefully I can't escape those realities. So yeah, I'm sure I've, or I hope I've changed as a person for the better. Uh, I mean, we're all on our own personal journey throughout life, aren't we? And hopefully this will be something I can reflect on positively. Uh, I think you change every time you do something like this. It's every experience you have has the potential to change you. I'd like to think it's changed me for the better. Every time you have so much time to think about what you are doing with your life and how you can improve it and how you can be a better dad or partner or, or a worker or whatever it is. Yeah, I thought about that a lot. I, I'm hoping, I mean, for me, one of the most difficult parts what for the journey was I knew that Johnny was suffering from a, a mental health perspective. And, you know, after three weeks, he was telling me how it's the most difficult thing he ever done and he thought it might be detrimental to him. And, you know, then towards the end, there was this whole introspective time. And I, I hope that, that he enjoyed it. He certainly seemed to when we arrived. Maybe that was just a relief of getting off the boat. I don't know. But it's made me think of Ocean Rowing in a different way. It's, I've skipped stuff before, but it's been with people that I've known and people that have done other oceans. And, and this was completely different. Although Martin had 
lots and lots of sailing experience. Um, I was the only one that had any ocean rowing experience, so everything everything rested on my shoulders, which was um, tough in a lot of ways, but also very ultimately rewarding when we got to the other side. So I'm hoping it's changed me for the better. Ask me in six months' time, or more importantly, ask my missus in six months' time, and she will give you a lot more honest answer, I'm sure. If you could pick just one, what was your highlight of the trip? Uh, really hard to pick one highlight. I'd say the whole trip was was just brilliant. I mean, seeing the dolphins, seeing nature was was amazing. Having a big wave day that was fun as well. That was that was good. Yeah, just being on the boat, being on the boat was ace, and just waking up and seeing sunrise and sunsets and all that kind of stuff. Really, so I couldn't really pick one highlight. There was quite a few highlights for me. Highlights got to be getting off. I mean, it's such a an exhausting mind and body crushing experience that the only thing I really wanted it to do from about um, you know a weekend was stop. Without doubt, the trip ending and getting off the boat. That is categorically the highlight of the trip. There's no joy in crossing an ocean. It's just about enduring the discomfort, really. That's really tough, really tough. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I can. Just one. I mean, all of it, <laughs> all of it was a highlight. You, you don't get highlights of that low. So I guess they're, they're intertwined. It's just so difficult. When everyone's just getting on and everyone's happy or you've seen something amazing and something it's, it's a shared experience for me i like the shared experience part of it so i guess you know i think the highest point was probably when people saw land so that moment where everybody was just on a massive high you know it's a mixture of things it's being able to get off and experiencing all the luxuries of land it's knowing that you you've made it now that you've, you've actually rode across an ocean it's realizing that everyone's safe it's all of these things put together so if I had to pick one point, it would be that. But I, I would just say for me, the whole trip was a highlight. And you have to have the lows to have the highs. What advice would you give to future ocean rowers? Definitely. There's, I know what they say, always trust Billy. I should have listened to Billy for a lot of things. Uh, I brought other shoes. He said just wear socks and shoes. So I definitely say wear socks and trainers because they work. Stop from getting blisters. Try and find something which will sort your ass out because eventually it will. Because it took me a while, but it did. My ass started going. As soon as your ass goes, you're, you're screwed. So look after your ass, and your ass will look after you. And any other advice? Yeah, just do anything to stop yourself from getting blisters and sores because they will come eventually. So uh, every time you come in off off a row, clean yourself up, look after yourself, and do anything to prevent uh, blisters or anything going wrong because you're, you're going to be out there for a very long time. Think utterly seriously about this and speak to people who don't just say, yeah, it'll be fine. It'll be good. You know, because I mean, the way it was described was it's going to be four blokes rowing an ocean. We're not in a race. We just want to enjoy it. Well, there's frankly incredibly little enjoyment at all about rowing an ocean. There's lots of pain. There's lots of exhaustion. There's lots of, lots of distress, physical and mental. We all had injuries or damage or wear and tear. Um, so yeah, I mean, find people out like me who say there is a complete negative side to this, which isn't really talked about that much. And it really, really should be. So I think people need to just make sure that they just don't get involved in the whole rah, rah, we can do it. Yeah. Let's smash it type stuff. But actually listen to people who go, are you ready for this? Are you strong mentally and physically enough for this? Are you aware just how appalling it can be?
So for a start, I would say it's not a physical challenge. It's not an athletic challenge. You don't need to be athletic to do it. And the people who have done it before you and precede you aren't athletes per se. It's a mental challenge and a mental challenge only. So if you're going to do it, by all means, knock yourself out, but just be aware that you're signing up to suffer mentally. Should you even waste your time training? I'm not sure. I can't stress enough how it's not a physical challenge. If you want to have a physical challenge, go and run an ultramarathon or climb a mountain. If you want a mental challenge, this is the one for you. If it's going to take four, five, six months of your life, like it did for me, cost you 10, 15 grand. I personally think there's better ways to spend your time and money unless it's a particular dream of yours. Just do it. If you're even thinking about it, then you should do it. I think it's much more mental than it is physical. I think a lot of people do a lot of training for two reasons. One, they're either wanting to win the race. Um, but as we all know, the weather conditions, probably the biggest contributing factor to how fast you can get across. Um, certainly if you're looking to set a record. And the other thing I think is to give them a lot of people will feel a lot better mentally prepared if they are in tip-top-tastic condition when they arrive at the start line. Now, we've done a few of these now, and I know personally for me that that doesn't really matter because you can get on a boat with very little training with regards to physical training, and you can get yourself across. But I think the most important thing is if you want to do it, just start the process. There's plenty of places to go and get help. Monkey Fist, great place to start. We've got so much experience between the three of us. Drop us a line. Let us know what you want to know, what your problems or issues are, and we can certainly help point you in the right direction. Just believe in yourself. If I can do it, this is the fourth one that I've done. I'm no different to anybody else. I'm you know, living renting accommodation at home with my family. I go to work. I get stuck in the same traffic jams as everyone else. I'm no different. There's nothing special about me whatsoever. So if I can do four ocean crossings, and you for damn sure can do one. It is hard work. But ultimately, it is incredibly rewarding. There is nothing like that feeling that you get when you step off on the other side onto land for the first time and you've just achieved this, this incredible thing. But it is, if you want to do it, you can do it. Just start and, uh, and you'll get there in the end. And finally, would you do it again? Uh, yeah, I would, yeah. So there were some days, I remember there was one day where I, I, I text my fiance and I said to her, I never want to jump. I never want to see an ocean rowboat again. But that was on one of my bad days. But there were so many. I didn't have that many. I had about four bad days out of 50. So that's not too bad at all. But yeah, definitely I would do it again. What ocean or where, I don't know. But uh, I'd definitely do it again. No, absolutely not. I don't think the rewards are um, worth it. Um, I think the rewards are absolutely minuscule compared with um you know the, the amount of distress physical and mental distress that you go through am i pleased i can say i've done it yes i am but i would never consider doing it again a row ocean solo i would do it in a two and i would do it in a team if, if i was to do it in a two of someone at the similar strength or weaknesses that i have i don't i think it's um and with similar goals to tie up so if i was to do it solo or in a two i would do it and try to break a world record sure i would probably do that I think it's a dangerous game, putting together a team with different ideas and different levels of ability. I think that could cause unnecessary friction. So would I do it again? Yeah, I would do it solo, I think, where I could actually really push or in a two where both of us were out there just to like suffer physically as well as mentally um, and really go for it. Yeah, I think perhaps, but only if it was for a world record. <laughs> well, I am. <laughs> I'm doing the Indian from Australia to Kenya as soon as the Australian borders are open to us. So hopefully next year, 
Uh, and then after that, that's going to be my last one. It's a biggie for sure. Um, but I think I've, I've done ocean rowing now. It's, I, I know that I can do it. I know that I can achieve it. I know that I can go as a rower, as part of the crew. I can, that I can organize the event. So for me, it's kind of done and dusted now. And as much as I love it, it takes me away from family and friends too much. And I feel it's unfair on them. I've already been unfair to them by doing these things. It's always been for a good cause. But, you know, if I can't look after the people I love the most, then it's a bit silly going out to try and champion other causes as well. The different perspectives are amazing, and it seems despite being complete strangers, the crew were very well matched in their pairings. I really enjoyed putting this podcast together, and despite having already rowed across an ocean myself, I still learnt a lot about it. Mostly about how important mindset is. You define your mindset, and your mindset defines your experience. You have to remember to remain humble enough to realise the exceptionally privileged position you are in, and remember to always find joy and wonder in life's simple pleasures. I don't think any ocean rower would claim that it's an easy journey, but there is no denying it's one hell of a ride. All that is left to say is a huge thank you to all of our sponsors, without whom none of this would have been possible. All the details can be found on our website, monkeyfistadventures.com. If you are interested in rowing an ocean, keep following our social channels for announcements, as we may have the perfect opportunity for you. I'll leave you with a final thought from Matt Pritchard. Uh, thanks to everyone who's been listening to these podcasts. Uh, I hope we've entertained you and the information you've got was interesting and you've enjoyed it all. And yeah, massive thanks to um, Monkey Fist Adventures for what was uh, the best life experience I've ever had. Alex, Owen, Baz, and Billy, the skipper, and everyone really, everyone involved. It's been absolutely amazing. And to the, the boys, Martin, Johnny, what an experience that was. Absolutely banging. Over and out. And see you later. Chill bit. Bye.